0: Traveling
1: the vortex. vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex in Rabbit episode 499, where we put the R in Argonites. I'm Keith.
0: Sean. <laughs> <On>. I'm I'm Glenn. <laughs>
1: How are you guys? I love when you surprise us with
0: the opens, <laughs> especially when they're clever like that. <laughs> it's
1: been a while since I've had a clever one like that. Uh, it's not actually from a, a line of dialogue or something.
2: Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw kudos your way because that was an exceptionally clever one. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was I was quite tickled by that.
1: What can I say? The space pirates inspire me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we should all be so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> i'm good how are you guys
0: Oh, well, i'm hanging in there <laughs> i'm the one of the reasons why we've uh been three weeks without a podcast because i've been in and out of the hospital a little bit with some breathing issues but i'm i'm on the mend i hope I'm still trying to get some answers to why i still can't breathe but we're getting there <laughs>
2: And I don't know if you folks at home know this, but doing a podcast where you talk, breathing is kind of an essential part of right,
1: that. So, right. very key.
2: We hope you'll forgive us. It's all Glenn's fault. <laughs> you can direct your angry mail to Glenn at travelingthevortex.com,
1: <laughs> or your get well soon
0: letters. Right, right.
2: Don't be silly. Nobody's going to send those.
0: <laughs> Did you guys wow. do anything in the three weeks we've been off?
2: I avoided all <laughs> the
1: What'd you read, Keith? Uh The Rising Storm. It is the next adult novel for the Star Wars High Republic. Ah. And it was really good. They uh they did a lot of good stuff with this one where Light of the Jedi is still a lot of you know initial establishments but it starts off with a bang this one kind of is initial establishments and then it has a big huge giant set piece of action in the center of it to help you kind of propel you to the end of the book and it was it was really good I'm very much looking forward to book three which has not been announced
0: (laughs) (laughs) you may have a while to wait yeah
1: I was lucky the library got it like the day after it was released and I was the first in line for it apparently because I got a, a notification of this is available for you so I was able to pounce on it and I think that's the first time I've ever read or one of the few times I've read a Star Wars book that quickly after release so now I have the very long wait started Dune the book yeah, have well, not,
0: the audiobook. Have you not read it before? I, everybody
2: asked me that with shock and disbelief. <laughs> no, I I, I, I was, I was telling Keith a little bit last week when we chatted that um, uh, in high school, uh, obviously it came highly recommended, and a, a friend of mine said, "You got to read Dune," and me being me, it made sense to start at the beginning, so I went and found the prequel, God Emperor of Dune. Uh, which is apparently set some 4,000 years before any of the events, uh, on Arrakis that are of any import. And I couldn't make it through the first chapter. And, uh, so I thought, hmm, well, I better go ahead and do Dune first. And then just never really picked it up. Just never got to it. So, uh, I was at the library and they had the audio book and I thought, well, oh, I know what I'm going to have in my car for the next three years. Cause it's, it's, it's like 18 discs. It's a long book. And but is... I'm in, I'm enjoying it so far. Oh. Fun. Look, looking forward to the movies.
0: Mm. You're gonna watch them, but had you you haven't even seen the original.
2: I've seen bits and pieces of it. You know, one of those uh, Saturday matinees mm. on USA with commercials. Mm. So I've I've kind of seen Dune, but I've never actually sat down and watched it. So. It's on the docket for this year. I made Mel, because Mel's a huge Dune fan, which I didn't know. Mm. Um, but I, I made her promise that we would watch Dune, and then we would watch the sci-fi channel Dune, and then we would watch the sci-fi channel Children of Dune, and then we would go to the movies to see Denny Villeneuve's Dune.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do think s- I knew sci-fi channel
2: did a version of it. I've heard mixed things on it. I've heard some of the people say that it's big and epic and in many ways, much closer to the book than the, the David Lynch version. And I've heard other people say they were vaguely disappointed with it. And I guess that continued into children of Dune because they did not do the next book. Uh, sci-fi kind of mm-hmm. abandoned the the thing after that, but I've also heard that of course with Dune, so, well, are we watching the two-hour theatrical, the four-hour European, or right. the six-hour "Are You Nuts?" cut?
0: Right,
2: right. <laughs> I haven't decided yet.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think since you haven't seen it, you have to start with the theatrical. <laughs> you got to have a baseline.
2: And to be fair, I probably should. Although I hear the four-hour European cut, if you can find it, is the way to go.
0: I uh, I read the book and I've only seen the two-hour cut, so. And it's been a long time since I saw it. How long has it been? Mm. Uh, I watched all of Loki, which has been really good. And and Sean hasn't seen the last one, so we won't spoil it. But I thoroughly enjoyed it um, for the most part. Pretty good series, and then uh, we I think
1: watched... it's probably been my favorite of the Marvel so far. Um, totally my favorite of the Marvel so far. I
0: think it's up there for me, probably with One Division, but better than Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. And it was a which was a fine, fine series, very good. I quite enjoyed it, but um, I don't know. I'm trying to. I, I don't know where this one will set. I'm kind of letting it settle and see if I think I liked it better than One Division, or or you know. Which one's on top now? Uh, and then we watched um, Black Widow this weekend. So,
1: <clears throat> oh, what did you think of it?
0: Mm, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, it doesn't shoot to the top of the best of the Marvel films, but it is a highly entertaining, very fun film. Um, that I think is a, it was a a good send off for the character. I think it works really well as a. Um, Handing off the 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 mantle um, a bit as well, so yeah, I just I I really I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. We just I had a lot of fun with it. Really felt like Marvel was back, you know. Although it there's parts where it, it, it it's almost outside the box for a Marvel film. It doesn't feel as co- cookie cutter as some of them do, uh, which I appreciated. Mm-hmm. And then in some cases it does, but. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We have not seen it yet, but we did watch Wonder Woman eighty four. Oh, what'd you think? It was okay. I, I don't think it was as big of a trash heap as everyone claimed it was. Yeah,
0: I think it got a lot of, of hate dumped on it, and I didn't think it was that bad. No, it wasn't that bad. It
1: wasn't Suicide Squad, oh. or <laughs> Don, or Bat Soup, or anything like that. I mean, it was still the bat enjoyable, soup, but it was it was uh, it was pretty bad. It has its flaws, but. I think I'd still watch it over a couple of the other DC films.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, in a few weeks we get- and it wasn't
1: quite as campy in the 80s as I thought it would be, but from some of the reviews,
0: yeah, I thought the same thing. I didn't think they leaned into the 80s as heavy as as some of the people were saying that they did.
1: I
2: wish they'd have gone heavier. Quite honestly, hmm. I think if 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 you're, if you're gonna if you're gonna call your movie blah 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 1984, okay. There's two ways you can go with this. You can go George Orwell or you can go campy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it was even less than less 80s feel than stranger things.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like after the initial, you know, Steve comes back and all of that sequence, you kind of forget when it's set. It doesn't really matter anymore. Well, and where are the needle drops?
2: Where is where is the awesome soundtrack that everybody was like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to go out and buy this because it's full of 80s music just mm-hmm. to really set the mood. and
1: Yeah, yeah didn't get that's any a of missed it. opportunity.
0: Well, in, in three weeks you'll get The Suicide Squad, which will fulfill all of that for you. So
1: <laughs> That's true. And I'm
2: so excited.
0: I am excited for that one.
2: And I just can't hide it.
0: <laughs>
2: I'm about to lose control, and I think I like it.
0: <laughs> That was an 84. <laughs> <laughs> Should we talk a little bit about some news that we found out in the uh, downtime?
1: Evil of the Daleks is going to be animated in 2021. Woo-hoo! Released Woo! in the UK September 27th on DVD, Blu-ray and an exclusive steelbook. I'm so excited.
2: And I just can't hide it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This one, i uh, the only thing that surprised me about this one is that it's taken this long <laughs> to, to, to animate it. Because I think this is one of the ones that, I think since Power of the Daleks was animated, we've been saying Evil will definitely be one of the ones that gets animated because it's such a, a lauded um, serial. Uh, so it, it, it didn't surprise me that this one finally turned up on the list of, of things that they're animating. I'm, I'm super excited about it. I i have listened to the um linking narration audio from the uh surviving television track i've never watched the recon of it but um and from what i remember it's been a few years back from what i remember i I thoroughly enjoyed it so i'm excited to be able to put some visuals with the audio this time too
1: yeah i'm super stoked for this one
0: well should we move on to a review of another uh, patrick troughton second doctor story this that's one's also missing yeah this one and and may never be no i don't think i don't know this one might uh but also featuring jamie but um this one has zoe instead of victoria
1: the space pirates the charges detonate in a series of silence explosions and a space beacon alpha one disintegrates into lumps of metal the space pirates have discovered a new source of precious argonite General Hermac of the Space Corps diverts his V-ship to investigate, and arrives in the Pliny System in time to witness the destruction of another beacon. Determined to trap the pirates, he leaves a squad of guards on Beacon Alpha Four, and shortly afterwards, the beacon's computer bay, in the beacon's computer bay, an incru- incongruous shape of a police- blue police box materializes, Sus- suspected by the Space Corps of being pirates and then pursued as spies by the pirates themselves. The Doctor, Zoe, and Jamie risk asphyxiation and vacuum, vacuum of space, execution, and explosion in their attempts to unmask the mastermind behind the thefts of Argonite.
2: Wow, that was a mouthful of a... Ooh,
1: that's the <laughs> back of the Target
2: novel.
0: I thought you were going to say the back of the DVD is like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, I'll go ahead and give it a bump up. Uh. I would give it a moderate bump, bump, bump myself. Um, I
1: would concur. I th-
0: I think what I, I went into this one a little excited to listen into it because this is one of the ones that the perceived fan knowledge of it is that it was just terrible. And that it's one that would, you know, never get animated because it's just not a good story and it's very hokey and it's very silly and I think there's an element of the hokiness that, and, and I'll get to it in a minute what I think, but I...
1: I, I think there's one character that brings the hokiness,
0: and that's yeah. about it. <laughs> I think you're right. But I remember also some people saying, well, they were familiar enough with it that they think that it when it does see the light of day, people will reevaluate it, and it will become sort of like an enemy of the world. How that was sort of a, a, a panned story until we actually got to see it. Um, because I, I did enjoy this more than what I think everybody, uh, made it, I mean, has made it out to be in all these years that I've heard about this infamous space pirate story.
1: Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if it necessarily reaches the heights of enemy of the world. No,
0: no, not, not, no, it doesn't even come close to reaching the heights of enemy of the world, but it certainly is better than the bottom of the, the, the stack that I think that most people have thrown it on.
1: Oh yeah, Absolutely. I
2: concur. I I, I enjoyed this one um, for its limitations. Um, And then obviously we know that I kind of have a problem with retcons because I I tend to have a very...
0: Recon. Recon.
2: Recon. Not retcons. Uh, Well, I have a problem with retcons, too. I keep doing them. (laughs) Depending on the (laughs) (laughs) retcon. But um, it just... I I, I seem to have a really bad attention deficit problem when it comes to watching a, a recon and uh this one still managed to hold the majority of my attention which i think kind of speaks volumes to to what it is especially considering so much of it was talking heads mm-hmm.
1: yeah
2: yeah which <laughs> i guess is a plus for the animators <laughs> because it'd be simpler but at the same time it's not it's not terribly exciting yeah. now they made up for it with the model work. Oh man, I was, I was in Thunderbirds heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so many cool spaceships and hangar bay doors and shuttlecraft and
0: I'll tell you, I'd like to look like mosquitoes. I'd like to know how much of that was recreated by loose cannons and how much of that was cut from the existing footage that they had especially in in episode two there is there is a lot of that space docking that you could tell was reused and maybe re like they renumbered the the um station um so you could tell that that was probably reused and to be fair in the 1960s when they made this they would have done the same thing they would have just renumbered the stuff and, and reused a lot of shots but there are shots that I identified that I didn't feel was in an existing footage. And I have to wonder if this cannon didn't actually put some of that together themselves, which if they did kudos to them for, for doing that. Cause I agree. It, it, it certainly gave, uh, it, it did a lot more for the story by doing that. Because as you say, there's not a lot um, of action. It is a lot of talking heads.
1: What what I find kind of amazing about the story is it moves there's not really yeah. a, a point where it feels like the story drags and this is a six part story it's not like this is just a four parter this could easily feel feel like you're you know waiting through muck to get through this the, through this especially with it being a recon and being a lost story but the, the pacing is so fast and just keeps moving and keeps developing and and evolving and moving forward that it, it never seems to slow down. And I can't even thinking back on it as a whole, I can't really think of large sections, anything I could cut to shorten the episode length. Mm -hmm. It's all just essential to what story they're telling. I think also compelling.
0: Well, I think also for a story that could easily be a bottle story because it's all done in space station's, it really feels like it moves from location to location to location because we start with the doctor and, and, and the companions on the space station, but then we've also got Cavan um, uh, uh, Ka- uh, is it Kavin? Kavin and his pirates, you know, um, also moving around a lot. We've got the general's ship, um, which is the you know hunting these these uh, Argonite thieves. And then we've got the planet below where the, the pirates are hiding out and the one lady has the the you know the, the, the business or organization. So uh, Madeline, I think was her name. And so yeah. it, it, it jumps around and it moves locations enough that nothing gets stagnant. You don't feel like you're in one place for too long. And so I think that helps with the pacing a lot.
1: What's also amazing is the fact that it's not an overly complex story, yet it still moves at such a pace. It mm. doesn't... The, it's not it's a, it's a fairly condensed simple story but it doesn't feel like it as you're going through it. I mean there's twists and turns that go through but it's nothing like it's I guess I don't know what I'm trying to say it's more it's a, it's a simple story but it doesn't feel drawn out. Yeah. Like yeah. most simple stories would feel drawn out.
0: Right, right. Well, I think there's enough I think there's enough complexity there to Continue to link the through line, but it doesn't end up getting dry because they feel you feel like it's too simple. So you're not getting from point A to point B soon enough or quick enough.
2: Yeah. If anything, the the plot was slightly um predictable. Um, I I picked up fairly early that that she was going to be in on this.
1: I was a little disappointed. She wasn't actually the head bad guy. And yeah,
2: well, and see, once I had it figured out that, oh, she's doing this. That's why, you know, it's obviously part of the, their crew is going in and, and doing this with the pirate base and okay. But then to find out that she was not the head honcho, that she was being held captive because they had her dad, it's like, oh, okay. So they still managed to pull one over on me. And then I couldn't decide. I was like you. I was a little disappointed because I liked the idea of her being the bad guy.
1: Well, I, I guess it's also my modern sensibilities of them kind of me hoping they would kind of even go so far as I kind of suspected that the dad was being held captive, but I hoped that she knew about it and was the one behind it. Like she locked her dad away. She locked him <laughs> That's what. Yeah, that's the direction I was hoping they were going to go, and I was a little disappointed they didn't. But again, that's not me thinking in a 1960s perspective. That's me thinking in a 2021 perspective. Mm-hmm. i been okay with that a, too. A convincing story.
0: I think that, yeah, and.
1: A- Sorry, Alan. Go ahead.
0: No, no. I, I, I just, I think that the, the, I, I did not see the uh, twist of her being in on it. I guess I was a bit, bit naive. Uh, but see, I read the book first, and so I didn't see it coming. I did obviously see it coming when I watched the, the, uh, recon. But, um, so, but reading the book, I, th- I felt that Terrence Dink's kind of were. I mean, even though it, it, this is one of those ones that's very much the. Uh, the uh, TV on page But I think that this one Was finessed in such a way for me the, the book was finessed in such a way that I didn't suspect that she Was in on it because she was She was so close to General Hammock and they they did a good job Of setting that up for me um, like they felt like they knew each other, almost like he was kind of the the surrogate father because she her father was gone. So I, I guess that maybe it, I was a little naive in thinking that she was a little more innocent than she was. Um, but I think another thing that the reading the book for me did is I visualized and all of these characters, with the exception of our our heroes, much differently than they are portrayed on screen. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I think. Dervish and Cavan uh, were what I expected but then when I watched the show this is I buy into the the tropes I thought that Dervish or Dervish was Cavan and Cavan was Dervish just by the way they looked initially in that first series and that first uh episode and I thought oh I well, and In fact, for a while, it was taking me, it was throwing me off because they would show one guy while the other guy, you know, was talking, and then and I kept, I kept getting confused <laughs> and back and it took me a long time. And I, I think it's just because the guy, the you know, Dervish had dark hair and a mustache and had kind of a villain face. I hate to, you know, but that's that trope that I think is where we expect, we've come to expect. And ca- uh, you know, uh, Kevin's, you know, a little you know more clean shaven, blonde hair. I really took me a long I time to see that um, and then general <laughs> hermic which i thought was a bit over the top in the book was way over the top <laughs> in the serial i did not i that, it was this guy took what i had um, i imagined an over the top general in my head and then this guy like made it even more intense which i didn't think was possible <laughs> and I think my other my other disappointment was uh, – and Madeline, I think, was fine. She did a good job. But my other disappointment was Milo Clancy. I, I really thoroughly <laughs> fell in love with this character reading the book. I absolutely loved the character. And then when he first comes on screen and he's looks like a 49er prospector and he's got the gun – up on his shoulder like you would a rifle, but it doesn't look quite right because it's halfway between a rifle and a, 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 you know, a handgun. And it also looks more like a, like a, well, cause they're doing sci-fi, but it looks like a squirt gun. And so the way he's holding, it, it's very awkward. It's like, if you had a pickaxe over, over your arm, like that, it would make sense or even a rifle, but he's got this weird thing going on. And then coming out of his mouth is this really drawly, almost, um, Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart it was like he was doing a bad Jimmy Stewart inc- I- impression but it was like Jimmy Stewart doing a southern impression badly it was just it it, uh, it <laughs> so took me out of the story so many times because he they, they were just playing so heavy into that 49er prospector <laughs> <laughs> that, type yeah that was just that's that really pulled me out of it that would be my biggest disappointment with with this uh with the TV uh version of it
1: yeah, I would agree. Um, Milo is kind of—I wouldn't go so far as to say obnoxious, but he is definitely way too over the top and too
0: scenery chewing. Yeah, well, it's 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 almost a caricature. Yeah, and it, it misses the—I think it misses the mark. I think that they went with that prospector. Seemingly, because these guys, basically that's what they were. They were space prospectors, you know, back in the day when they were going out first finding this Argonite. But so I understand why they went there, but I think they leaned too heavy into the caricature.
1: Yeah, they definitely did. You
2: know, I I, I, I can understand where you guys are coming from and you're not wrong, but I'm going to go the opposite direction with it. I, I watched the, the episodes first and then read the book. And so I had the benefit of having the visual and audio cues when I got to these characters in the book. And while my initial impression of, of, of Clancy was, wow, are they hamming this up, I fell in love with him. I, I, I really. I really fell hard for this goofy oddball 49er prospector, you know, dealing with claim jumping pirates and, uh, the, his rickety old ship that only he knows how to fly because the damn thing's falling apart on him, but it's, it's his falling apart so he can deal with it and troubles with eating breakfast and just one thing after another. And, and I just bought it. I was like, yeah, okay. The, you the, know.
0: those were all elements of the book that I felt that I fell in love with. I I liked the character. I liked the the nuance of the character. I didn't like the way this guy the
1: performance
0: performed it. That was the problem. Well, all of the things about the character were dead on, and it. it I mean, be, again, because this was basically the book on page, but yeah, this guy was just. I, and, and I guess maybe in my mind, I almost had kind of an old. I don't know. My in my mind, the guy had sort of maybe a, an Irish or a Scottish accent, and I mean, and that's my own fault. Now, well, I, I say it's my fault. I I tend to read the book first always because I find myself I find watching the recon's a lot easier because I already I'm already very familiar with the story, so I don't get that kind of glassy eyed. I'm lost. I don't know where what's happening here because I I haven't seen this from before. So frequently, I will read the book before I watch the 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 recon just for that fact. But I think in this situation, in this case, I had imprinted my own character on this guy and was disappointed when this guy didn't fall through, follow through.
2: Yeah, I can get where you're coming from, but I I just, not only, but it was because of the character ticks that it worked for me, that they leaned into this almost historical stereotype of a minor. It, it, it just, I don't know. It just fit for me. And it was something goofy that Dr. Who would do yeah. uh, if this was another show, maybe I would have complained more about it. But for Dr. Who it was like, yeah, th- because I'm sure to the English, all minors fall into this. You, you, you have to be, you know, you have to be Grizzly Adams with a, a pail and if, if this had been in color, I guarantee you, he had, uh, you know, the red underwear, uh, long John's under his spadesuit. suit. <laughs> it just, yes, that's yes. I'm okay with it. Yes. So he was so much fun to watch. And even when they tried to drum up some suspense, I don't go leaving here until I check things out. Okay let's leave here and go look on our own <laughs> and, and we're meant to think that maybe he's in league with the pirates Nah, I'm not buying that for it yeah incident. i never i didn't <laughs> buy that one bit
0: i will say in the book i suspected him had i watched this first though from the way he plays it i wouldn't have suspected him in this the, being a you know in with the in league with the pirates so i think that I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there. It's like, no, no way. Um, so to that matter, I think that I, I agree with it. I, I, I like the fact that you just, he seems pretty innocent and wholesome the whole time. While also kind of, you know, ornery. Very ornery. Yeah.
1: Very ornery, yeah. <laughs> My other disappointment with the story is we've been talking for how long? now about this and we haven't mentioned the doctor or the companions (laughs) and that's because they don't have much to do do (laughs) in this entire story and when i come to a patrick troughton story i want patrick troughton and he's barely there and doesn't get to do much that's my biggest problem i I wondered
2: about that myself because he's not in episode one much if i remember if i'm remembering this correctly it seems like there's yeah, a they lot of setup for up one the before they show end. up. Yeah, and then they're trapped, and the and thing unconscious explodes half the time. And then, yeah, they're they're not on screen. When they are on screen, they're unconscious and separated from the TARDIS. Which, wow, convenient way to <laughs> write bit, it out of the
1: story. <laughs> yeah, the bit with the magnets is nice.
0: Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, um, much much better way to explain science than a, a box in a far away box but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I liked that I think my my other problem though was that uh, I, I agree Keith that I didn't feel like there was enough of the doctor in this and when the doctor is in this he's he's bumbling through a lot of this and I know that Troughton's doctors always been kind of that you know funny get it wrong at first and then get it right but this one he seemed to be he almost seemed a little too... He almost seemed a little too dumb in this one. In fact, I, I've always liked when Zoe kind of calls him out on something and corrects him. But this time, she's like she does it like two or three times. And there's most of the time, she has a lot of faith in the Doctor. This time, she didn't seem like she had much faith in him in, in a lot of things he was doing. So it, it, it made the Doctor feel very out of character for me as well. And then Jamie's there just being eye candy the whole time. I mean, he's just, you know, I mean, he's pretty much he's 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 the muscle, you know, and he he's the brave guy that runs in there to, you know, help people. And he's the first one to, you know, jump in front of uh, the doctor to, you know, in order to protect everybody. He's the first one to, you know, stand up to the guards when they come in. And, and so he's he's playing his role, but that's really all he does. And that that was a bit of a disappointment as well.
2: We certainly could have used a bit of continuity when the doctor whips out his screwdriver.
0: screwdriver. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, do you guys remember I thought and maybe I just surplanted it in my head as I was reading the book. Did the, the book had him pull out the sonic screwdriver, right? No, surely not, because that was the other thing when he pulled out the when he mean. used the tuning fork, my first thought was when he <laughs> talked about the the, the lock being Done by sound mechanism, my first thought was, oh, he'll use the sonic screwdriver to find the right frequency. And then he pulls out the tuning fork. And I was like, okay. I don't think tuning forks work that way, but I'll give you a pass.
2: <laughs> It'll give him something to do. Who looks at a tuning fork and goes, this could be a little more sonic?
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm, right. A, a tuning fork, there are several different ones, and each one is a different tone, right?
2: usually That's how i've always understood this so work. so
0: the one tuning fork that you use is not going to change in resonance because it's always <laughs> going to be the same tone right maybe it depends oh, on how strongly you throw because we you know when when <laughs> jamie hurls it at the thing he gets the right <laughs> right chord i guess it,
2: it, it is a sonic tuning fork where it, it's it's got a little knob on it that, <laughs> it changes that you couldn't each, see yeah, okay but he just files just <laughs> it up to change the frequency. Like like I say, I
0: gave, a him, I gave him. I gave him a pass on that, but for some reason, I I, I thought I remembered, which I think Terrence Dix has done this before, where he is retroactively put the Sonic Screwdriver into a story before it appeared. But I was certain that it was it was in this one. Oh well, he would have it's, used he would have used the Sonic before this because he used it oh in yeah. uh, the under or not the underwater menace, um, Fury, Fury from, the, from Deep. the Deep. Yeah, that's where it was introduced. So Which he would we have. Just it. Yeah, and then he uses it again in uh, the War Games. Oh.
2: I just think it's funny that for all of our belly aching about the Sonic being this weird omni tool that does everything, <laughs> we get two instances, not one, two in the same serial that would have been perfect uses (laughs) of the Sonic. (laughs) And it's not there. And so so now we're complaining about it.
0: Ah, early Doctor Who, you kill me. (laughs) That is so true.
1: (laughs) Goes to show how much the Sonic Screwdriver in Fury for the Deep was an on-scene you know, Mm. while-filming edition as opposed to in the script.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, Robert Holmes wrote this one, right?
1: Yeah, it's yeah. his second story.
0: So he must not have been... Must not have cottoned on to the idea of a sonic screwdriver.
1: Which was still before his time, because the first one was the Crotons. so... Yeah.
2: Oh, well, they can't all be perfect.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I say, that, that I, I can give that a pass. I don't have to i don't have to have the sonic used appropriately but <laughs> we, can, we can go with the tuning fork it was i guess an idea I'm glad too that uh,
2: our, our general um, while he started off being that guy uh, the the kind of stereotypical uh gonna do this uh, guns blazing full speed ahead uh this guy's obviously in league with them that he kind of softened that by the end. Now it was a mm-hmm. bit abrupt, but at least there was that about face there. And he, <laughs> you know, he wound up being a competent military man versus the, the monstrosity that so many of them wind up as.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's true.
2: But I, I, agree with you guys. I think this is far from the train wreck that, uh, that fandom tends to paint it as, mm-hmm. and, it uh, was, was a fairly enjoyable story. Even through, you know, the flaws of not having a lot of uh, second doctor and a a mischaracterized second doctor at that.
0: Well, and I I think that to back to my point about animating this. I think there's a lot of people that don't feel that this one should be or will be animated, but I kind of disagree for all the reasons we were talking about. It's got so many different characters. It doesn't have a lot going on that would be difficult to animate. And it also got a lot of
1: great squeeze action.
0: It does. And it also has a lot of, it paces really well. So you as, as you were pointing out, Keith, there's, there's no time where you feel like it's, it's dragging. You never feel like it's any padding and I think to animate six episodes of this would be just just perfect. I think this is a, totally a candidate candidate for it. I hope they aren't listening to conventional fan wisdom and and uh, which is probably made up of ninety two percent of people that have never even seen it. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and I didn't think they'd really do the faceless ones as quickly as they did. Yeah. Right. Because that one was a lot more you know, there's not as many monsters and it's a bit more subdued of a story and that look how well that came off. So I don't see how this, why this wouldn't be a a prime candidate.
0: I would agree. Well, anything else on this one before we uh, wrap, start to wrap things up?
2: I just say, looking back at that graphic that uh, uh, our our friend Mm -hmm. uh, Rick cross posted Mm -hmm. that kind of broke it down as to how many characters are in a story which is not something that i had ever really taken into account before Mm -hmm. um but suddenly that made total sense because well yeah you gotta you know each one of those is going to be moving at some point you'd have to animate it's a heck of a lot easier to animate a story that has four characters and a crab Mm -hmm. than it is to animate something with a cast of a thousand right Unless they're all Daleks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. Right. <laughs> and then you just dupe them. happy <laughs> <Copy>, paste. Yep. <laughs> I'm right. pleased with this one. Well, Sean, what have we got coming up on the schedule?
2: Well, coming up on the schedule, uh, we are going to take one more week off uh, next week just to make sure that Glenn has uh, fully recovered from his ordeal. And then uh, that allows us to, uh, to gear up for um, a big epiversary and um, even if you don't think so it's big to us our 500th episode of traveling the vortex and we are going to uh, rock around the the clock as it were the music <laughs> of who the, the not the composers and the the wonderful people who have uh, rearranged uh, the uh, theme song but we're, we're we're going a little further A field, a little further off the reservation.
0: Yeah.
2: And I can't wait for Glenn to get us those materials. (laughs) It's going to be exciting.
0: Well, you'll have them by this weekend.
2: That will be followed by uh, our our book review. We're getting back into the Lethbridge-Stewart-Laughing-Gnome run with Rise of the Dominator by uh, Robert Mamone. Is that how we decided that one was pronounced?
0: That was Mamone.
2: Mamone. And then uh, some more Mucho Master... Are going to do the uh, the big finish, Missy first series. So lots of fun. And uh, of course, uh, schedule is posted for those of you that like to follow along at home.
0: And be sure to check out that schedule on our website, travelthevortex.com. You can find all of our updates there. And if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by going to their Patreon link on our webpage and consider supporting us. Thank you for those of you that do. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to uh, your po- this podcast, uh, especially Apple Podcasts, but we would like those recommendations on all podcast sites, and that helps bump us up in the ratings and the recommendations. Anything else before we close this one out, fellas? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. And I'm Keith.
1: Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you.
0: Sean, did you forget your order again?
2: I forgot my line been, and my order. It's been three weeks. You're,
0: it's been three weeks. You're forgiven.
2: I suppose I forgot my order first, and then I forgot my line. Because once I had convinced myself that, oh, no, you are next, I really wanted to say, be seeing you. <laughs> and, the, and the little voice in my head was like, you can't say that. You'll throw Keith off. And then it was Here like, I oh, was a- God, what do I say? <laughs> I so, had so what you're saying, is everybody that everybody on
1: the tip of my tongue.
0: So what you're saying is that could have been a bigger train wreck than it almost was.
1: Oh, it
2: was
0: a huge train wreck about to happen. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.